welcome to episode 51 and in this one I want to talk about the mindfuckery and the cognitive dissonance whilst I share a little bit more of my experience and the recovery route that I took because this is 51 next week marks the first year of the mindfuckery podcast and I actually can't believe where that whole year has gone and at the moment I am waiting patiently, maybe it will come this evening, for more or less the final draft of my book, which is called Divorce Matters, which is about emotionally and physically divorcing. It's a, a practical guide to divorce. So that's all, it's all getting rather exciting actually in my world. And the launch of my membership, which again, I will talk about maybe next week. So cognitive dissonance occurs when we experience a state of holding two or more contradictory thoughts or beliefs at the same time. And this is what turns us crazy. But it's a very specific kind of crazy. And I, I said in the last two podcasts that I'd been listening to Mario Martinez. And it was a comment he'd made. Not leaving a relationship until you'd come to terms or finalised or accepted that the relationship was over. And I said, I don't think he was talking about emotional abuse because sometimes you don't get that choice. And you turn crazy because of the abuse. Welcome to the Mind Fuckery podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth, author of Finding Lily and the A to Z of emotional abuse. I'm here to remind you that love should be unconditional. Divorcing emotionally is life-changing and that you have a duty of care to yourself. Each week, I will discuss some of the terms you may hear along this journey and I will help you understand and process what's happening. I will help you find the best habits as you start to take back the control control of your own life and learn the tools to heal on a deeper level, becoming the best version of yourself. So cognitive dissonance is the reason people say that they feel like they're going crazy, but it's a very specific kind of crazy. This form of abuse penetrates on so many different levels. Your brain has been tricked to believe that what you were told is the truth, and it takes a long time to de-traumatise. For people healing from a toxic relationship, this can cause emotional confusion and anxiety. Eventually, you might have started to wonder what was happening and believed you couldn't trust your own judgment. I made lots and lots of mistakes during my healing between getting back from Greece. So that if you haven't listened, the last two podcasts I've spoken about part of my journey, I've dipped in and out of certain bits. I made lots of mistakes between getting back from Greece and my ex leaving I had a counselling session and the counsellor, this was someone that we'd been seeing as a couple of, a couple's counsellor, uh, seen her a few times. She said to me, come see me on your own next time. And she was helping me through the week that he was away in France. That had been, I can't remember now, that was about the June or July time. And if I think back to it, there had been uh, literally within a few hours of him leaving 
or maybe 12 hours, uh, we'd had some sort of discussion over email or text message or something like that. And, and he refused to talk to me. He didn't want to be talking to me for the whole week. He needed a break. Then there was a bombing that happened over there. I had no idea whether he was in that part of the country, where he was, whether he'd been injured. Anyway, so she was the one who was encouraging me to separate from him. And I called her the day after we'd had our session and said, that's it. He's got up this morning. He's left really early. And then he's phoned me from the station to say that he's left my untaxed car there. It wasn't just those actions. There was something odd about the behavior. And I remember saying to her, I just can't do this anymore. And she was elated that this was happening and that I was changing and that my thought process was moving more towards the separation. Anyway, I actually didn't have to wait very long because what he was doing was he was traveling to, to the garage where his car was and he was picking up a loan car from them. The next day he packed his car up and he eventually drove off. It took him a few hours to leave the house. He sat on the sofa and refused to move, but I could breathe. And then my mind went into overdrive and I hadn't at this point, I don't think, slept for months. I made the mistake of telling him a few days later that I might have been a few weeks later that I needed to go no contact. That was a mistake. And then the messages started uh, that I shouldn't be doing this on my own. We should be together. A few friends had said to me, are you seriously considering having him back after everything that he's done? I have filtered out a lot it's watered down but I was the pain that I was in being out of the relationship was worse than being in it and also I felt that he was having some sort of breakdown and this is a reason for these podcasts I made so many mistakes I want to help people not make those mistakes and I will explain the process that I went through and the discoveries that I made that really quickened my healing once I understood what was going on but as I got wiser to the manipulation it it really became easier to spot I had a jumble of memories and you might recognize this and I was trying to fit all these pieces together and so these messages which I now know are hoovering attempts had that desired effect of keeping me stuck and it's the pain versus the mindfuck so the messages made me feel that he wanted to be back to where we were he wanted to be back in that relationship with me but the actions didn't match those words the manipulation games are horrific and they drive you crazy it's a bit like the cycle of abuse they are present in that moment and then gone again so I would be oh I'll call you tomorrow then nothing and then I got a call the following morning and this is the mind fuck if I don't answer it's because I've started to leave my phone upstairs during the evening to get a break from it I'll call you whatever time and then three hours later the call comes gaslight is a very unique experience for individuals. Only a person who has been through this will understand or understand how deep that trauma runs. I bought a pair of clackers to demonstrate how our thoughts clash together. And this is how it works. Because if you can visualize your brain, although this isn't actually what's happening inside your head, but if you visualize the left and the right hemispheres of your brain, it's the thoughts that are clashing together what you've been told to be true 
through versus what you're now discovering. And it's like they're smashing together. You hold two thoughts. So when I was getting the messages saying, you shouldn't be doing this alone, we should be together. We're meant to be together with soulmates, whatever the rest of them were. They mixed with the stories throughout the relationship of how good we were together. And these subliminal messages that went on. And then to add to this cocktail that's going on, the fact that the actions then don't match up, waiting and watching your phone, waiting for someone to turn up to come round. This is why it's so important to surround yourself with people who really do understand, understand what you have been through. Anyone who says, yeah, but you're better off without them, or yeah, show them what they're missing, really doesn't get what happened. They have no idea of the level that the trauma travels through. It goes through every single cell of your body. This form of abuse penetrates on so many different levels, so many layers, and your brain has been tricked to believe what you believe is the truth. And it takes so much time to de-traumatize. It's so easy to slip down into that dark hole when you're faced with new facts, new situations. And believe me, I saw the red flags and there were lots of them. And I tried to end the relationship in the first nine months, at least twice, it might have been four times. And then like a little feather, I was sucked up into that hoover and I was sucked into that relationship. Cognitive dissonance is believing that you're in a loving relationship when in fact you're in an abusive one. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody continuously lies to you? You know that they're lying on some level but you continue to listen to them. You don't want to believe that what they're saying isn't true. You might have worked with someone who you believe was helping you progress in your with your career only to find out that actually they've been backstabbing you. Cognitive dissonance is mindfuckery. I've seen people trying to explain this with regards to saying that a person who smokes, they know it's bad for them, but they continue to smoke. That explanation comes nowhere close to what happens in abusive relationships. I recorded a video recently, not all narcissists are clever, but they all know how to manipulate. They use half-truths. And if they realise that you're getting too clever or you're about to discover the truth, they'll change the goalposts. They cover their tracks, they gaslight you. After gaslighting, their second favourite tool is, well, this is my opinion, is triangulation. They make it's seen that they're very popular. They are manufacturing jealousy. And what emotion does jealousy come from? Psychologists generally agree that jealousy is a disturbing experience that combines the emotions of anger, anxiety, betrayal and hurt. So there's betrayal again, our three core wounds, abandonment, shame, betrayal. So when one person feels that a valued relationship is threatened by a third party, the emotion of jealousy rises. Oh, and another ingredient that goes into this cocktail is oxytocin because jealousy comes from oxytocin. Cognitive dissonance destroys lives and it makes you hand over your power. And for me, a great big chunk of the relationship was like an out-of-body experience. I couldn't stop myself. It was like I was 
was watching part of you feels validated and this is one of the reasons I say you know you're seen and you're heard in a way that you may never have experienced before I was hooked and like Pavlov's dog I was responding to sounds and words and then towards the end of the relationship everything about me that had originally been something I was told I was admired for was turned against me a relationship with my children was one of those and situations were manipulated that made me choose between him and them these relationships tap into our trauma wounds our inbuilt survival system protects us and if we've been subjected to abuse through childhood then our experiences will trigger again as adults the mechanisms have been put in place to protect us it's always worked before we don't have control of this and particularly in those first seven to eight years of our life we are building and learning and understanding and inner standing so if we've put mechanisms in place to protect ourselves they are automatic now there's a huge awakening that is happening around emotional abuse but you can't explain to someone who's never experienced this why you're paralyzed why you couldn't move why you couldn't do or say something these aren't conscious decisions i was following a story of a young boy who died this is quite a few years ago now he had been crushed by a car seat there were four adults it might be five but there were definitely four adults in the car there was the abuser there was the mother of the child and two as I said that might have been three the abuser was the mother's boyfriend there wasn't enough room for the child to sit in the rear of the car so for some reason he was put in the footwell and the abusive partner then pushed his car seat back squashed the child's neck with the seat and the two seats and the mother and the abuser were on trial why didn't the other adults stop the abuser because they were all terrified of him and it's likely that their responses were from their trauma wounds. At the very beginning of the relationship, you're listening to someone who you believe is protecting you, but actually what they're doing is protecting themselves. They lie to get what they want and they convince you to hand over the power of your life. Eventually, you have no idea how you live without them. In a relationship, this can be the belief that your partner loves you, but you are experiencing conflict when their behavior doesn't mirror the words. My intuition was right all the time but I was told it wasn't and I believed there was something wrong with me I learned how to quieten it down how to question it oxytocin is a hormone that plays a very powerful role in these relationships in social situations if your experience is negative or stressful it activates a part of your brain that intensifies that memory and scientists have now discovered that oxytocin strengthens a signaling molecule which then becomes activated for about six hours after this negative social experience so it enhances our fear or it stimulates the brain's fear pathways and this is one of the reasons it's so painful coming out of these relationships you don't know who you are you've lost your self-esteem your self-worth you've got no money you've been coerced in so many different ways you don't know how to live your life and with all these hormones that are creating this cocktail you're then watching someone else take over your life believing they're stepping into your shoes 
views. The reality is that you might not recognise this person when you meet them again. They really, it's really weird. The reason you don't recognise them is that they've created a new character. They created one for you. They listened to you. They understood who you were looking for in a relationship. They created this persona, put on a mask. They've done the same for the next person. And that is one of the reasons you don't recognise them anymore. It's not because they've dropped their mask. It's because they are wearing a different one. At the very beginning of the relationship, I was questioned as to why I didn't respond to his calls. I didn't carry my phone with me every minute of every day. I was doing some work for him at the time and he told me he needed to get hold of me. So on some level, I knew it was a form of control. And as soon as I was able to, I didn't continue with that position. I think it was around the time that I've been trying to finish the relationship because I found out about infidelities. The comments had been set though. And he also compared how I responded to my children and not to him, how I jump at the phone when my children called. So in the end, what I did was I set up different tones for different people. And I found at the end of the relationship, although he stopped calling me months before, I was triggered by the sound of his tone. But in the parting months as we, as our relationship was crumbling around us, I was compared to Pavlov's dog. And this is an experiment that is the foundation, along with a couple of others, Thorndyce Cat is another one, of classical conditioning, learning through association. And this is what had happened to me. And my survival was that I responded on some level, but I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that. So if I was working with me, myself now, I would say, don't tell him you're going no contact, which was something that I did do. Leave your phone on silent. If you get a message, move the device to another room, whether it's a laptop, you know, via email or your phone, hide it somewhere under the bed in a cupboard and go and do something, do some grounding, some breathing and calm down the thoughts. They created a fake future with you. They've used tactics like triangulation to create jealousy, making them look popular and wanted. They've maneuvered themselves into a place of power and they started to control your life. And because you don't know what's been going on, you become a detective because nothing makes sense. One minute you're okay, the next your life's in ruins. And you're trying to piece together everything. Your intuition told you something was wrong. You didn't believe the story they were telling you. They might have lie to you and you end up questioning yourself and they minimize your feelings. Long-term contact with a toxic or emotionally abusive person causes damage to your brain. And the reason I say emotionally abusive is they can't take responsibility. They're not going to go and get a diagnosis. They're going to blame you. You might remember some of the red flags as they very slowly broke down your boundaries. They're pushing against them to see how far they can take you, how far you'll go, what you'll put up with, how much they can get away with. They were so persuasive and they slowly eroded them and you then become dependent on on them. They might gaslit you, telling you that everyone thinks that you're mad or bipolar, insecure. I've told the bipolar story. I think it was in last week's podcast. took me a long time to work out that this was another lie. And they may suggest that other people have raised concerns about your behaviour or very possibly the way they've told you, you told them that you're behaving. They use words to devalue you, to coerce 
worse you. They tell you you're crazy, paranoid, and then you start to question everything. Cognitive dissonance is very dangerous. You live in a false sense of security. Everything you're told is a lie. Your reality is really screwed. They tell you one thing, but behave differently. Their words are used as weapons to manipulate and control you. And you come out of this relationship not knowing how to cope, questioning every single belief that you hold. It's like going to school and then discovering that everything you were told there was actually a lie. History is a lie. It's like finding out that the Queen of England was actually Dame Judi Dench all along. Cognitive dissonance is a term used to describe confusion. It's a deliberate attempt to hurt or damage you. This is where you're discovering the love that you believe that they held for you is a lie. It's so painful. Your self-esteem was stripped away and during the manipulation that happens what they actually do is they do strip you back emotionally and leave you with the coping mechanisms of a child. It's horrific. Another thing that I if you if I was working with me now was one of the first things I'd say is write out the story. I found it took me a while to work this one out. I found the moments that I knew that the what was going on was manipulative when I'd written it down I was able to come out of rumination a lot quicker. I used to spend days ruminating believing this was all my fault and I used to oscillate between seeing the manipulation and blaming myself. So when I actually wrote down what happened things that I went through I experienced that went on in the relationship and I could see that manipulation I was able to step out straight away from that rumination. I would also suggest having a list of questions for anyone that you consider working with. As I said I had two counsellors and they overlapped. They helped me see the relationship wasn't healthy. One in particular had more experience than the other and was more open actually to calling out the abuse and looking back further. The first one if I actually go back to that relationship I had with her she didn't have the experience and she and the ideas and the advice weren't as helpful for my healing. However what she did do was she encouraged me and supported me to leave and end that relationship and you might not even be feeling anything you might be completely numb your world has collapsed around you. I had worked as a therapist, I was a trainer in the holistic field, I was a coach but nothing prepared me for this. When the relationship was coming to an end I took a course on narcissism and as I listened to the trainer I was thinking this doesn't even touch the sights. I knew that something deeper was needed to heal. The information was great but where do you go from there? I found someone else, I'd actually used a coach a few years prior to the well actually if I think about it it was actually as my marriage was breaking down I was less than a year into the marriage but I was using a business coach and um, I was still in contact with her after my relationship had broken down and she was talking about narcissistic abuse and her experience with it and her journey and through her I found another online course um, one that she'd taken I think she'd worked one-to-one with the person and so I looked at the course and I took that but it was too long I lost half 
half a day listening to meditations and reading information. So I knew inside me I had all the tools. The biggest bit was pulling it all together and understanding what was going on. My biggest piece of advice is to make sure that the people around you have an understanding of what you are going through and the people or the person that's checking in isn't triggering you, keeping you trapped in that place. You could make a decision to use the bricks and the stones that you're standing in, that rubble that surrounds you, you could rebuild your life. Another thing I found really helpful, which you might do as well, is when you write your story out, look for the patterns. So it might be that you write the story, but you take it further. You look at other people in your life and you look for those patterns. It might be other relationships. There's always a pattern of whatever it is. And this can help you heal the wounds as well. One of my favourite films is The Holiday. And it's not just because it was film where I used to live. One of the scenes was shot, I don't know, about 500 yards away from the cottage that I used to live. In The Holiday, Iris, after having her world collapse, hearing that her ex-partner was getting engaged, does a house exchange. She flies to LA for Christmas and totally out of her environment, she by chance comes across a Hollywood writer and he's an elderly gentleman. They befri- She befriends him and they go out for a meal. And during that meal, he says he's struggling to understand what she's doing with him on a Saturday evening. And during the conversation, she says, oh, Arthur, I have been having counseling for two years and it has never been explained in this way before. A girl should be the leading lady in her own life. I think he said something like, I'm really struggling to see, you know, a woman should be, you should be the leading lady and all I can hear is that you're the best friend or something like that. You have a choice. It might not feel like this at the moment, but you can become the architect of your own life. You screw up the blueprint and you decide that you're going to use the, maybe the bricks and the stones around you and build something completely different. And this is why I like to give those people that I work with permission. I've done it actually in the book, Divorce Matters, given permission to ask questions, to seek information. It's something that you might need as you're rebuilding your life. With these relationships come so many questions, but you your self-esteem has been stripped away and sometimes it's so hard to make decisions. So I give you permission if that's what you need. Give yourself permission if that makes it m- more healthier. You have the permission to throw away the plans, the blueprint and create your very own, be the architect of your very own life. You're standing in the rubble, you have the materials at your feet, you've built your life before. Question is, what do you want to take with you and what do you want it to look like? John Wellworth describes us as castles, born with hundreds of different rooms, I love this analogy, and as children we're happy to explore each room top to bottom and over time people might say, oh I don't like that, I don't like it when you do that. Don't say that. Don't behave in that way. It reminds me of. And one by one, you close the doors on that part of your personality. And in her book, The Dark Side, this is where I heard it from, uh, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. Debbie Ford says, you wake up one day and you realise you're a two-bed semi. The abuser has moved on with their wrecking ball and they've left your life and they've left you in pieces. If you were to pick up the pieces now, what do you want to create? Something completely different or the same? You were guided to a point of codependency, manipulated and coerced into that position. It's exactly what happened to me. 
And this is where you can start to take back some of your power. Beware of the hoovering attempts. That's what caught me out. That made me stay longer, trapped. Don't be surprised if the abuser pops back up to find out how you are, what you're doing, see what's different. They might think you've got more to offer, more energy, more money. In the holiday, Casper, who is Iris's partner, reappears. He asks her if he can send her some pages of his book. He's still constantly in contact with her. She she agrees. And then he speaks to her and he says, oh, you sound different. I think he re- she says she's in LA. So he's get, he's got the address because that's where he's sending this book to. And Miles, who's a bit of a love interest going on in Iris's life, but has got his own issues going on with his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, points out that it works for Casper, but it sucks for her. Anyway, so Iris doesn't respond and she doesn't read the pages and all of a sudden Casper turns up on the doorstep and they talk and then she realises that nothing's changed, that he's still getting married, that all these words that he's using and, and trying to suck her back in are really just a ploy just to keep her dangling. In fact, I'm sure that's what somebody said to me, he's just keeping you there dangling. And she gets up and she says, um, get out and she tries to, she goes to kick him out and he said, what's got into you? And she says, it's something called gumption. Please start to take the leading role in your life. Break the chains and look at the things that you can start doing. The things that I woke up to and realised that were really powerful were grounding because when I was grounded and more in my body, I was out of my head, the rumination stopped. Box breathing. I've been teaching it for years with meditation, but box breathing is a perfect, perfect way because you're counting. And it's taking the focus from that rumination, those thoughts, and you're, you're counting from a different part of your brain. It, you fo- your focus moves away, as said, writing out your story. Honest conversations, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how important having honest conversations with yourself are because it really seriously helps with that healing. And I, as I said, I made so many mistakes believing the lies. I kept myself trapped because I made stupid th- mistakes like saying, I need to go no contact. I'm, I'm, I'm going off social media. Another time I was doing something else. I didn't realise this was all food. This was, I was feeding that. And when I would respond and get upset about things, that reaction was what was wanted because it was proof that I was the crazy person and that was why he had to leave. There was an incident and it was a really weird thing. It's one of those detective moments. There's something doesn't feel right. There's something odd going on. I had odd conversations with somebody else and and I drove off somewhere and he spoke to some people that we both knew and told them what I'd done and that I'd gone looking for him and they they said, oh, you need to try this couple's counselling. And I said to him, did you tell them why I'd done that though? Did you tell them that I'd actually found you on a dating website? And, and he said, no. So they only get one side of the story, but hear your reaction. They hear the craziness. And, and this is all done on purpose because it feeds the narrative of the emotional abuser, the narrative, the narcissist, the narrative of the person with high narcissistic tendencies. I hope this you found this useful in some way. I hope it helps you realise how important the role that you now take on and the next chapter of your life, how important it is. 
I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago. It's a business podcast. They were talking about, I honestly can't remember any names. So I'm going to give this a really short version. This guy was at a conference. It was a franchise and he wanted to have lunch with somebody higher in the organization. And he said, I really want to be in this position. You know, what chance do I have of doing this? And I think the other person said, well, you know, you're at low level, you'd need to achieve this and you need to achieve this and to to put yourself in that position. So he went away every time he went to do something, he decided, I, I can't remember what the position was. It wasn't CEO. It might have been like area manager or area director of this, say it was car hire company. And I think it might have been in America. So every decision he he makes, he says, right, well, how would the area manager of this hire company behave? How would they dress? How would they have their office? How would they have their desk? And every time he started thinking about it, he cleared something. So he went in and he rearranged his desk. He changed what he was wearing. He wasn't wearing overalls. He put on trousers and a shirt. Every decision was based around that. And the next year they went into this awards ceremony and he won. He was like 15 times higher in what he won hitting target than other people and he was promoted and promoted and promoted and it was purely by changing that and saying what would this person what would I be like by being this person and it might be that this little is your takeaway you might see someone and say do you know what they've got it all together they seem to have it all together I like the way they behave it might be somebody you work with it might be somebody in your community it might be somebody that you admire and you could say I love the way they dress I love the way they hold themselves the grounding, the breathing, the honest conversations, writing out your story, that will all help you heal these core wounds. This is where it all stems from, healing on a really deep level. And this is something that I love doing. It's something I've been doing for a couple of decades. I can help you. I can help you move a lot quicker through this process. And I've got this formula that will help you. And as I said, I'm going to be um, talking about my membership next week. And hopefully that will all be ready to launch in the next few weeks. I really hope this has helped you in some way. And I'm sending Sending you loads and loads and loads of love until next time. And next time is birthday edition of the Mindfuckery podcast.